0: Hey everyone, just a reminder that this is a mental health podcast, so some content discussed may be triggering for some. If you're not feeling up to it, hit pause, come back another day, we're not going anywhere. If it is an emergency, please don't hesitate to contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. That is a 24 hour service. Thank you. Turn up the talk podcast. Tackling mental health together. G'day guys and welcome to another episode of Turn Up The Talk. You're joined by Pat Clifton, Lockie Drew Morris, brought to you by the Covelli Hotel and Doyle's on the Beach down at Watson's Bay. Today we're joined by a pretty special guest. He's played over 200 games for Melbourne Victory, over 90 goals, 54 appearances for the Socceroos, and twenty-eight goals for the is quite a rap sheet, mate, Archie Thompson. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, joining well, it's us. It's a good
1: rap sheet, man. It's better than having the other rap sheet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for taking yeah.
0: the time to come on, brother. How you been? My pleasure.
1: Yeah, pretty good, man. Um, look, it's obviously tough down here in Victoria because of uh, you know restrictions and only allowed out a certain amount of time. And I could possibly see um, you know from those that go to jail, how in prison, how sometimes they can feel a little bit isolated and feel like, uh, you know, the world's against them, which I suppose it is in that situation, but it feels like it very much here. and Yeah, it's really intense sometimes even just walking down the street because, you like I was just telling you, you don't know if you're in someone's personal space. They probably don't know if you're yours, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cruisy. If I, if I get this so-called COVID, it is, well, I get it. <laughs> I, I just have to isolate for two weeks. Yeah.
2: Being a professional athlete for, what, 20 years, how hard has this been? I mean, it's one hour a day of exercise. Are you strict with that hour a day? You need to get out?
1: Well, yeah. To be honest, I, I do like. Um, it's hard to kind of switch off from being a pro for so long, just to kind of um, being that uh, like uh, I suppose no no exercise and sort of letting yourself go. I mean, I, I need it for just um, just to clear my mind. It's more from from a mental perspective than anything else. Like, uh, but I, I try to get out. I go, went for a run run today. Um, it's people from the the suburb of Yarraville watch this, clean your shit up. This is like, that was, that was shit. Clean it up, because I, I just stepped in a big one today. And I, I always seem to, when I'm walking, my girlfriend has to kind of watch, say, hey, watch out, there's like, you know, there's you know, shit on the, <laughs> on the footpath. So keep it clean. Come on, people, keep
0: it clean. <laughs> mm. You spoke about the isolation and how you get out to clear your mental health. How mm. has that been? Like you said, you, all of a sudden, you're used to being out and about, you can leave when you like, and all of a sudden you're restricted one hour a day. We know you've had your own personal experiences with mental health. How are you coping?
1: Okay. Um, look, it's, it's not easy. Um, for me, like I said, I, I need to get out and kind of do the things that I like, uh, whether it be mountain biking and um, up in the hills, in, in, in like just out of Melbourne or, or running or, or exercise or tennis, golf. And that, for me, is like, um, I suppose, clearing my, my, my thoughts about certain things and, and helping me kind of, you know, focused, but I think in this time um, found it really tough actually. I, it's funny enough I, I'm speaking to you guys now, I actually just reached out to go and see a, um, a psychologist uh, because uh, I just felt like things, and people don't talk about it um, you know, and I feel like things are closing in you, you, you feel like the world's against you, your perspectives on things aren't what they are and then you start blaming people for things that obviously there's a, there's a deeper issue there. And uh, I think with these times, it's like, okay, it's good because you actually get the opportunity to, to not work on surface stuff, but deep stuff that's kind of been maybe plaguing you throughout your life. And um, but it's now it's, I suppose it's the time to reach out and have that opportunity to reach out. I'm just really grateful that the government has decided to go, okay, we're gonna start, I know there's a 10 um, visit plan for mental health, where they subsidize that. Now it's twenty, but for me, it should be free anyway. It's like, uh, for me, that's the most important um, thing that any person is their mental health and, and the way that they they live their life. And, and, and if people are struggling, how can we help that? I mean, the government seems to be subsidising, I, I, I don't know, but stuff that's not as maybe important as what mental health is. And, you know, just a quick story um, on the, how tough this period's been is that my brother... Um, in South Australia, going through a bit of a rough spell with his uh, with his ex-girlfriend. Um, and then he's, uh, you know, because he felt like he couldn't reach out. He's, he's kind of rang me and said, look, Arch, I'm, I'm sorry. and uh, I'm just going to have to um, uh, say bye. And I'm like, well, you know, what the hell? So I've actually had to, to, to ring and get someone to go over there and check on his health, his safety, and... You know, and he's gone and harmed himself. And, uh, you know, if, if I hadn't have maybe rang, I, I don't know what would have happened in that, like, in that time that, uh, you know, no one was there. Uh, but now he's um, obviously, that, and, and that's kind of his story too, and he's reaching out. Um, obviously, he's taken it a, a, a little bit further than what he has in the past. But these are the issues that a lot of people are plagued with at the moment is um, just feeling like the world's closing um, in on them and they haven't got someone to speak to or like, or they feel like they can't speak to anyone. Uh, I'm just thankful that I, I felt like there was something not right. And he's on the mend and, and it's great. But these are stories that are happening uh, in the community that we don't, we don't know about because uh, I think the focus is on so many other things and mental health is the most important. And I just read the the, the amount of suicides in our communities, it, you know, jump ridiculously. And just because of, the situation, maybe, maybe not people having that opportunity to, to reach out or feel like they can't reach out. So kudos to you boys for obviously having a podcast that helps um, get messages, awareness out there that, uh, you know, no one's um, alone and that we're all connected and we all can, you know, hopefully pull whatever person's in some, you know, depression or deep thoughts that we can help.
0: Thank you. And we're sorry to hear about your brother, but it's good to hear he's, oh, mate, he's, he's on the but, up.
1: But look, he, mate, that's his journey. And, uh, um, you know, it was, he, he's, uh, he's in a better place now. Um, he's got people around him. He needs to. Um, and that's just, it's just a, a story in so many that's happening at the moment. But uh, it's just, the, again, it's just being able to reach out and even to a friend or family just to say, look, you know, I'm going through a bit of a tough spell. Can, can you help me out? And sometimes just a, a call or a text or a message uh, certainly goes a long way. And I'm, now he's, I'm really, really grateful he's, he's turned his life around just in this little period. But, I mean, it's, it's still going to be a really long journey.
0: Yeah, of course. If we can go mm. back to where we were just talking about the government and subsidising things, mm. I think it has come come on more. and They're a lot more aware, the government. Growing up, for yeah. you, was mental health a taboo topic? Sorry? Was mental health a taboo no. topic growing up?
1: N- no, not at all. Like, I feel like it's only sort of come to the forefront in the last decade or so um uh, my first sort of knowledge of um uh, mental health organizations was the big blue so the big blue was like a foundation obviously that, that helped with, um men, men's health uh, and <laughs> so naive i was is that like you know when we played sydney fc and uh melvin victory that was called the the big Big blue Blue. yeah (laughs) Yeah. so uh, when we we had the psychologist come into our um, meeting one day and said actually what do you feel about the big blue um which was which is beyond blue sorry so beyond blue uh which is the organization i said uh they go around asking everyone and uh, they come to me what do you think about the the big blue and beyond blue and i'm like I don't feel any pressure. It's just a game. I love it. I remember my mate next to me just laughing to himself because it's like, man, we're not even talking about the actual football match. We're actually talking about the 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 organisation, big blue, what, um, you know, mental health. But that was probably, uh, you know, my first thoughts on mental health. But I tell you what, I wish it had been around uh, a lot longer than what it has now, and it needs to start in schools. It needs to start. Everything needs to start in schools. And I just feel like we're we're, we're bogging kids down with um, putting pressure on them to succeed at things that they don't even necessarily need or passionate about. And I just feel like we should be teaching these kids at a young age the importance of, like, uh, mental health, um, what's your passion, what makes you happy, all those sort of things that uh, seem to get lost uh, at the moment. We've got to start somewhere. I'm just glad it's out there now. We've got Movember. Um but it certainly helps beyond blue. And there's so many organisations. The more we keep putting it, the message out there, the more the people that feel like they, they haven't got anyone, they're aware of it and they get help.
0: Yeah, exactly right. So mm. growing up, obviously you weren't too aware of mental health. Can Looking mm. back now, now you know what mental health is. Can you look back and say mental health is something you grew up with? Uh, sorry, mental illness is something you grew up with?
1: Um, look, I feel like we've all got some kind of issue, um, issues, issues. No one's perfect, and I feel like um, with my, obviously, uh, growing up in the professional environment, some of those things they get pushed aside because there's so much pressure on you wanting to perform and, and um, having success, and you forget all those little things. And I, I feel like if I had been exposed to, to some of those um, organisations early on, I would have been able to deal with situations instead of masking them, whether it be drinking or whether it be doing anything that, like, wouldn't help, you know. it's um, there's, uh, And just to have that awareness and, and someone telling me, that, you know, there's a better way to do things, uh, I feel is important. And, I, and, you know, in certain situations throughout my career, uh, I felt like I could have um, certainly helped in situations that I felt that was, I was, you know, um, really struggling with a breakup of my family and and my marriage, the ending of my career. Um, like, just so little. so Some of those things just came all at once. And I was like, man, sometimes I couldn't even get out of bed. And even when football was a, a, a place for me to, to kind of go and forget about a lot of things, that wasn't even helping me. So it wasn't until I sort of reached out to my um, other brother who works in the mental health sector to say, look, you know, I'm struggling. These things are really um, coming, like, just struggling and uh you know and just with with that and being able to um share it with people uh and sharing it with you guys and, and not being ashamed of all that and, and being honest i think uh is an important thing and like i said like people mask their 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 thing in in ways that they probably shouldn't and um you know i've been i've done that myself. i probably still do it now we're all, we're all learning probably i'll probably be about eighty years old and still learning you know the fundamentals of life but you know it's, it's just good that we're, we're starting to, on the right track
2: yeah mate your um your movember video which you mentioned before was um it was just so powerful and so special and i think like you said it is important as people in your position with high profiles that they reach out and they start talking about how they're feeling because hopefully that can lead other people to do the same and One of the things, or two things for me that jumped out in that interview was the first one, you spoke about how you drove over the Westgate Bridge every day yeah. and those thoughts. If you could tell us about them and then how your relationship with your dad has sort of blossomed as well.
1: Well, I I think um, that was a period when uh, breakup of uh, the the marriage, um, my my kids um, being taken... Well, not taken, but they, they moved out of the state, so I couldn't really be with them because of, obviously, football. Um, and then also getting told that I wasn't going to be a Melbourne Victory player next year, the next season. And, and, like, all of a sudden, the walls were just like, well, wow, what do I need to do? I, I can't, you know, you just feel like there's no way out. And, you know, sometimes you, you cross the oh, Everyone has thoughts of, um, I feel, about, you know, the easy way out. And I suppose me, you know, the things that I was doing, um, it felt like the easiest way was just go over the Westgate and and jump. Like, you know, it was was that simple. I mean, and and even to this, like, especially in this ISO period, why I've got to go probably reach out to a psychologist and I'm going to see one is because those little thoughts creep back in about, you know, life would be so much easier um, if, you know, what if I just end this? Things will be a lot happier. Things will smooth on, be smooth, and 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 that was my feeling. And um, I'm just I'm happy that I've got the right people around me to be able to kind of, um, for instance, my girlfriend who sees different changes and shifts, and that's where you have got to notice in people, and that's by reaching out. You know, it's like you, you see little shifts in people that, and and the way that they behave is not how they normally are, and uh, so I think. That was uh, obviously a real dark period, and, and uh, again, I was just—it's just about reaching out. And then, obviously, it, it once you feel like you're, um, you know, moving on or learn a lot about yourself and uh, on the right path to kind of turning your life around and, and being happy, uh, you know, you build other relationships or, or the ones that you've kind of forgotten, and that sort of helped me build the relationship with my dad. He was, you know, he's, he, he you know, parents are perfect. I mean, I have kids. I, I, it's only probably in this last period that I, because I haven't been able to see them, and that adds to that that whole mental health side of things. But uh, you kind of reflect, and and if you were present in as a dad or not, and I, I felt like a long period of my um, being a parent, I, I wasn't. And you know, but then I realised it's, it's hard. It's, it's bloody hard work. You know, I don't know if you boys have kids, but it's hard work. And I, now I have respect for my dad. Okay. He was probably... His environment was tough growing up too because he, he, he came from a poor family. But it's just funny how all these sort of things that happen to you, you, you start reconnecting with people and, and building relationships that were lost.
0: Also, with, in another interview, I read you said, I'd go to training and it was a release for me. I'd get on the pitch and I'd let it all out. And yeah. then in your final year of soccer, you felt like you couldn't even do that anymore. Mm. What did you turn to?
1: Um, look, obviously me it was was drinking and and carrying on and and you know and that for me was the easiest way to escape things and and it got to the point where i was even like ringing up and, and to, when i was going when i had training it was like you know i'm not feeling well because you know the night before even that morning i was was drinking and um and that was that was hard because uh you know, I love football. <laughs> I was feeding my blood. I was four years old when I first kicked the ball. So, and, and it had always been a release for me. But then, obviously, when it wasn't working, um, it, beca- it became harder. And, the, you, like you said, you feel really isolated. You don't want to leave your, your, your place. You're feeling like you're letting down, um, you know, letting down people. You don't really think about yourself. You just think about others. And, and, and I feel like that's what happens is that you, you, you do you forget about yourself um and then you're not kind to yourself and that's kind of that period that i was in and um but again i'm, I'm pretty grateful and thankful that i had the right people around me to, to put me in the right direction have had the right people to talk to um and again it's just building awareness
2: for someone that's sort of not to the extent that you were going through obviously as a professional athlete but someone mm-hmm. in the hole that you were in what's it a, what's a tip to, to help them get out of that? Is it just to have a conversation?
1: Yeah, 100%, a conversation. Um, and I, I feel like now it's, um, even when I speak to mates of mine and like you think that they're the hardest, <laughs> toughest blokes when you see them in person, but like uh, I feel like with all this, this talk and, and, and the mental health and people are opening up more and it's a lot easier to be able to tell someone what you're actually going through what you're feeling and then they can relate it so and then then the conversation starts and um i, I think that's the important thing is to, to reach out to someone to um not be afraid to, to say how you're feeling it's uh, you know it's what i've learned over the last few years is that like so, you, a man. Everyone's got this perception of what a man should be, but uh, the actual fact is that we're all human. We all we all feel. We all we've got emotion. We all love. We all hurt. We all hate. We all love. It's just it's just uh, life, and uh, I feel like if we break down those walls and barriers of, of that, um, what what a man should be, and and, and have a conversation, um, you know, it's just better.
2: Awesome. That's great.
1: Mm. <laughs> what is um.
2: Yeah. What does life after football look like for you? So we saw you involved in some academies. Is that yes, is that yes. right?
1: Yeah. So look, man, football is my blood. I, I, I love it, and um, but I, I love it at a, at a level where I, I see kids getting enjoyment from it. I mean, I, I still love to see a kid that's talented, and uh, yeah, and then you can try to guide them in the in the way that you want. And obviously, with being part of Football Star Academy, that they focused on just schools. Um, so like going there, kids have fun, and and that's the important thing about it. I mean, for me, I've always played with a smile. So I want to, you know, give that to the kids, the opportunity to have a kick. And obviously doing, school, doing stuff with Fox Sport, I've actually become a um, uh, a ambassador for Polished Man. So I don't know if you've heard of Polished Man, but, um, you know, stopping violence against children and kids across the world. I mean, I think the frightening stat was like a billion kids um, are subjected to some kind of domestic violence or, or, or uh, you know sexual abuse across the world so i mean um i feel like this period kind of opens your eyes to so many things that are going on and that are more important than um you know trying to make a buck here or there so uh yeah that's that's something that i'm real passionate about and um no hopefully i can still do a lot more with fox and football uh grassroots level at the top being part a part of something but Man, I've just enjoyed my journey. I'll, I'll take one day at a time and see what happens, man. Who knows what I'll be doing?
0: It's a good attitude, and congratulations <laughs> on that. We <laughs> yeah, we put up God. a post last night about fan questions, and we got okay. quite a few, but we've just narrowed them down. So we got one from okay, Austin, so. and one was, "What's your favourite? what was your favourite place to play at? Oh,
1: favourite place. Um, to say I, I used to love playing at Sydney, you know, especially Sydney FC, uh, because... <laughs> uh the shit they used to give me um
2: we're in the cove a few times <laughs> so we oh, didn't no. we didn't give you anything uh we, we're on the side <laughs> well, he's, know,
1: he's mate, gonna hang up on us so, mate, that contributes to my mental state <laughs> 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 you're the reason why i'm a whack job <laughs> <laughs> no look I mean, but for me it was like you know when whenever i hear the chant that australia says no australia says no Archie Thompson, australia says no like for obviously representing um Socceroos but for me it was more that it was a sign of respect and, and I love mm-hmm. playing against Sydney because it was always such a great atmosphere and stuff but um, even still cop stick when i uh, <laughs> when I was at the games in the grounds like uh, I was at a oh, I can't even remember it was one of the Sydney victory game and uh, man I was copping some abuse like it, it, it doesn't stop like it's uh, even when there's a Melbourne City uh, victory derby I, I, like I'm a mutual now, man. I only just played the game. You know, that's past, but still them some real real abuse from the uh, City fans. But, you know, it's a, in a way, I like to see it as kind of still a bit of respect. But, um, yeah, a bit of fun. too.
2: No, definitely. I think um, just along that as well, when Steve Smith, he speaks about the Ashes last year. And every time mm. he walked out to bat the, the Poms, the English crowd just absolutely gave it to him. And in that documentary, yeah. he spoke about how, all he looked at it was a sign of respect because he goes that they wanted me out, so that's all. Yeah. I, that's all I looked at. I didn't take it personally. It was like, okay, well, I'm pretty good then if they just want me out.
1: Well, yeah, well that uh, that's what I kind of feel like. Um, a lot of the what a lot of clubs and a lot of fans used to do, mm-hmm. because of that. But then you know, there's some places I go and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I hated you, but I loved you. I'm like yeah. you know, <laughs> you, you were you were that type of player that um, man you used to kill us, but respect because i really enjoyed the way that you're playing so um that's that's cool i, I mean I, I feel like it's uh if you're gonna have an impact someone's got life that's why i feel like I oh, i mean for me it's uh, about being humble and trying not to let the ego get away from you which i have a lot of the time in my career and life but i feel like i've got a getting a hold of it but um it's just about having that um legacy of people Seeing how you, you play and you're humble and, and they, they, you love the game, and they they see you, you love the game, and, and you, you can stop and, and have that conversation with them after it instead of kind of giving them the cold shoulder, mm. which uh, I feel like I've I've done over my whole career, and that's why I have such a good relationship with a lot of supporters anywhere, but especially with my own here at Melbourne Victory.
2: Um, so a question from us actually. Uh, we brushed one of the fan questions, so we could get one of our um <laughs> sport questions in there. We're doing um a little bit of videos or watching a few videos this morning from the 2006 world cup yeah yeah. what was that like to be a part of obviously that was like a pretty special australian team and everyone knows sort of what happened in the quarter final what was that journey like that world cup
1: yeah man um it was awesome like to be honest though it's it's hard to say because we were kind of shipped in this little compound that we we didn't see much of what was going on and you know it shitty internet back then so there was, like, <laughs> so was nothing like what we have now so we couldn't get what was happening back home but i, I suppose from a, a team and 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 a brothership and and i don't know a family for me that was a, a special a special time because we were, we were like that i mean there was no egos it was just a bunch of boys that uh um, broke such a, a long history of not making the world cup and we're there and we're just every enjoying every, every moment of the. Um, I feel like probably I've been part of a lot of qualifications after that, and and obviously going um, qualifying for World Cup just didn't have that same kind of, I don't know that, that family feel about it. That uh, you know that was, I, but it, for me, I like representing Australia and, and getting into those squads were amazing because, um, it, it's you know it's a pinnacle for me. But that that team and that era and that. That World Cup was special, man, and you know, just celebrating after that game against Croatia, man, I was like, it was forty thousand there, twenty thousand stay behind, which were like, you know, Aussie fans, going absolute nuts. Me awesome. on the sideline, air guitaring to A C D C. Um and then even after Mark Paducah like, you know, he said, man, Archie, that was unbelievable, you know, because I was just up and down with the corner flag. I <laughs> <laughs> And, and the crowd was just going off. So I mean, I, I didn't get a minute of the World Cup, but I probably was more the, the most entertaining. To watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good part.
0: We've got one more question. You might may have just touched on it. What's your proudest moment on and off the field?
1: Oh, proudest moments. Obviously, having my kids were for me the proudest moments. Yeah. Um, uh, on the field, there's been so many good ones, man. Like obviously, the five goals in the grand final against Adelaide was pretty special. Um, uh, World Cup qualifiers. Probably one of the special moment was um, playing in the Uruguayan game uh, in 2005 in Montevideo. Like, starting that match was crazy. Like, listening, I was um, with the anthem and Australian anthem come on. Uh, couldn't hear it. But then when they obviously played theirs, that you could feel the ground shaking underneath, and it was just like an atmosphere that was was unbelievable. So for me, that was probably a highlight. But then I feel like a highlight I scored a couple of goals with the Socceroos. Obviously, thirteen and one was unbelievable. <laughs> but but um, one goal I scored against Iraq. Uh, we were down one nil. Our qualifications weren't great. We were, we were really um, struggling. To, to qualify and Timmy scored a goal like he does. And then I ended up coming on and uh, scoring a winner. And that actually helped us sort of gain a bit of momentum, got our um, World Cup back on track because that's what we needed. So that was a really important match for me too. Yeah, Mate, there's lot man. There's lot.
2: It's been an absolute yeah. pleasure to talk to you. And I think you summed it up before you, um, you always sort of played with a smile on your face and to have someone like, you with your character and your profile come out and talk about being vulnerable is absolutely great. And I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people for those people out there struggling. What are three tips that you'd narrow it down to?
1: Oh, three kids. Um, mate. look, it's, it's hard. I mean, I'm still learning dude. like, you know, every, every day is different. Every, every time, every day you're feeling something different. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's obviously, um, have a conversation, reach out to someone, um, you know, don't don't be afraid to to tell people how you feel and what you're feeling. Um, I don't I think people appreciate that because um, if you keep a bottle in it's just gonna start eating you inside and out and I feel like if you if you have the conversation and, and you're honest, then people relate to you and then, then they can tell you how they're feeling and then they tell you how they've got through that and and then that's like that's how you kind of um, navigate through something because we're all, we're all the same, man. We are all, we're, no one's better than uh, the other person. Um, we're all just trying to live the best life we can. So obviously don't be afraid to tell you how, how, yourself, how you're feeling, have the conversation. And the third one, man, um, probably just, I don't know, man, it's hard. I think just just be grateful that you get, you know, you're on this planet, you're living your life and um, just to be happy and, uh, and just do the best that you can.
0: Just do the best that you can. That's all, all you can do awesome. in life, I think.
1: Well, like, like you said, mate. I don't know, if I, a, I don't know man. Like I said, I'm, it, it's, there's so many things you can you can do and say. Uh, just, uh, but I think the first one is just, just to be not afraid to open up and to say how you're
0: feeling. 100%. Well, like like you said, mate, for, for someone of your calibre to come out and, and speak so openly and take the time to join us, we really appreciate it. Ah, my pleasure. We, my we pleasure. love the work you're doing and, and congratulations with the work you're doing and all the best, mate.
1: Uh champion. Thanks, lads. I appreciate it. And
0: once again, thanks to the Clevelli Hotel and Doors on the Beach Down at Watson's Bay. And thanks to you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.